Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Autism Stories. I'm your host, Doug Bletcher, the founder of Autism Personal Coach. Autistic people are the true experts of the autistic experience, and Autism Stories is where we interview autistic people to learn from their stories, experiences, and get their insights. If you'd like to be notified about each week's episode of Autism Stories, we suggest you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We'd also appreciate it if you could give us a positive rating and review as it will help others to learn about autism stories. There are many things about the American education system that are very concerning to me. And today's guest, Ben Fanta, joins me to discuss this and his quest to become a teacher, developing healthy relationships, and why Ben loves hugs. We hope you enjoy today's conversation. Ben, thanks so much for joining me today. Always a pleasure. I'm happy to share my story and help out. And talking about your story, um, where does it begin in terms of the autistic community? Well, so I was diagnosed at three years old. So my autism was identified like fairly early, but thing is, I didn't know about it. My parents didn't tell me. I'm not sure if it was because they thought I wouldn't understand or, or because they thought that if they just didn't tell me that it would somehow go away, I'm willing to bet it's both. But yeah, I was 15 when they told me. And even so, like I was in high school and you know, most high school environments aren't really accepting of that. Like, I did have to mask it, and it really wasn't until, like, when the pandemic started, when I really got to, like, explore my relationship with my autism and tried to, like, figure myself out. And eventually I ended up coming out about it the day after President Biden got sworn in. And I basically, it really helped that I was in college during that time where that's generally more accepted, especially where I go. I'm a student at the College of New Jersey and studying to be a teacher. I'm going into the special education field in hopes of making it more accommodating, more suitable, more friendly towards like my towards people like my younger self and also allowing them to be just more integrated into their communities and promote more acceptance of neurodiversity and disability rather than having that be shielded from the general public. Now, in uh, following you on social media, I've, I learned you identify as demisexual, which from my understanding mm -hmm. is when you're attracted to more than one gender, but only if you have a four you formed a strong connection with the person first. So what are some ways for you that you develop uh, these strong connections? Well, I just, I try to like get to know the person through like just having deep conversations and like talking about like our values, things that are important to us. I want, like, I always want to hear about what someone's passionate about, like what their special interests may be whether or not they like share any love languages with me as well. Like I am 
very much a hugger. Physical touch is my primary love language. So I usually I'm more able to like form a stronger connection with that person if they're like open to that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, whatever we identify with in terms of our sexuality, it's important to develop healthy relationships, obviously. So what are some things that are meaningful, meaningful to you in developing a healthy relationship? Well, actually, I'm glad you asked that because uh, at the beginning of this year, one of my best friends asked me if we could date and I agreed to it. I'm really happy to like, be where I am now. I just think in terms of developing a healthy relationship that you really do need to share a set of core values with your partner or or even your friends. Like you need to, you guys need to like be able to be there for each other, show up for each other, but also don't like, don't rely on them too much. Like don't tie everything to one person because it's only going to be more painful for both of you if that happens. I've been through this before. A number of my friends have been through this where sometimes one person has relied on us too much and like not as much on their other friends if they even have any. I think that it's important for us to view every relationship we have as part of a larger community. We need to know that no one person, even if it's a romantic partner, can provide for every single one of our needs. Like there are some needs that we need to work on meeting ourselves. And there are also, you know, needs that, you know, our friends can meet for us, that our partner can meet for us or partners, if if you're into that. And there's some things only like a teacher or a therapist can give us as well. So I think it's important for us to really recognize who needs to meet what needs we have and that like we can't rely on one person for everything. Now, I find it really interesting to talk to people on here that might, you know, that might have different sensory needs as me. And you were mentioning mm-hmm. um, earlier that you're a hugger. That's that's really important to you. So for someone like me that isn't a hugger, explain to me what uh, hugs bring to your life. I'd say the thing I love most about hugs is that they just, they give you a feeling of safety, of protection, like, you know, that that you can just be, you know, safe from all the stress, all the trauma, any, any like, pain, anything else, like, going around you, like, that someone, someone's there for you, someone can really, someone, you know, that someone's got you, basically, and I think there are very few feelings in the world that compare to that, just knowing that you don't always have to be strong, that that someone's got you, someone's there for you. Like, that is very, very valuable to me. And I also want to uh, give other people that feeling because I know how just how powerful it is for me. And I do want other people I care about to experience that. I need them to know that that they're safe with me and that they're loved and cared for. Now, for the regular listeners of this podcast, they know at the, by this point that I love running. And uh, you, you yourself are a runner. You're currently a Division Three track athlete um, mm-hmm. who I saw qualified for the uh, Nationals uh, this past year. So what, yeah. ev- what events do you run, and is there any event in particular that's your favorite? Well, when I qualified for Nationals, that was in cross-country, 
And so like cross country races are usually my favorite events because it helps when I'm not like, it helps when I'm on like an actual course, like through, through like trails and like nature and stuff rather than just running around a track constantly because as like a long distance runner, it does get very repetitive for me. And at some point it's, it just gets really tiring just having to run around a 400 meter loop, like, like more than 10 times, I think it's 12 and a half for a 5k and then 25 for a 10k outdoors and indoors. It's even worse. Cause the, you know, the indoor track length is only 200 meters. Thankfully they don't offer 10 Ks in indoors for obvious reasons, but I do really enjoy cross country races. And when I do track, I usually do the 5k because it's something I'm used to, but it's also like not many of my teammates do that. A lot of them like to do the 10 K. So I feel like I'm kind of needed there as well. I just, I really, I feel like it's not like too long for me. I feel like it's like just, you know, long enough for it to be a challenge, but you know, not be really repetitive and overwhelming. Like it's like just right for me. I definitely can relate to, um, the, the running on the track. Yeah. That's, that's not my thing. And even worse than that for me is the treadmill. It's just too repetitive. Um, oh, absolutely. <laughs> so what's your best 5K time? My best 5K time is 15 minutes, 11 seconds. That's very fast. That's <laughs> I've never run that fast in my life. So for our listeners, that 5K is 3.1 miles. So what is that about a five minute per mile pace? About that much, yeah. Yeah. So even though running's a thing that, you know, we do it individually, as a track athlete, mm-hmm. you're part of a team. So I'm wondering yeah. in what ways has track maybe helped you to get your social needs met? Sometimes it is hard, like, communicating with my teammates because I'm pretty sure I'm the only autistic one there. And I usually care more about like having deep conversations and they usually do they usually just do small talk but it does seem like they are still working on like accommodating me and like and helping me out and being there for me when I need it which I do appreciate you know even if they don't always understand things from my point of view that they're still like making that effort and that means a lot to me in fact when I was a freshman, it was during the quarantine year, basically. And they actually reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to live in an off-campus house with them. And since I don't really have the best relationship with my father and really couldn't stand living with him, I took them up on that and they were actually good friends. I still got that like community-like experience, even if they didn't always understand me. The fact of the matter was they did still at least try to like get to know me as a person and support me for who I am. And that means a lot to me. On your social media account, there are many pictures of you with a headband that Ralph Macchio wore in the Karate Kid films and you're wearing it today. So thank, yeah. <laughs> thanks man, for that. So I dress for the occasion. Yes, definitely. So I'm guessing the Karate Kid may be a passion of yours, a special interest. What, what it is. is it about the Karate Kid that's really excited you and grabbed your attention because 
I don't think you were born when the Karate Kid uh, initially came out, maybe. No, I wasn't. I wasn't. I am. So last year, I got into the Netflix show Cobra Kai. Sure. Um, and then I, you know, then I watched the Karate Kid films after that. And I really enjoyed both of them because of their positive messages. Like, the Karate Kid is a classic underdog story, you know, about someone who moves to a new town, is bullied for one reason or another, and ends up just wanting to, you know, wanting to defend himself. And little did he know that his his greatest hero was right there. I do really love Mr. Miyagi's teachings. He, (laughs) in some ways, he was really ahead of of his time. I've been, you know, taking his sayings and applying them to my everyday life. And I also like how both the movies and the show depict like you know healthy like parent to child relationships and and messages about redemption and standing up for those you care about and that means a lot to me mm-hmm. i also really relate to daniel larusso as a character i share a lot of personality traits with him in fact i think he actually might be autistic as well because you know a lot of us in the autistic community like to, since mainstream representation of autism is usually really bad, we tend to headcanon characters we relate to. And I have, of course, done so with Daniel LaRusso because both of us do have a strong sense of justice. Both of us have passions, have special interests. I, <laughs> I can't even count how many times Daniel mentions Mr. Miyagi in the Cobra Kai series. And like just... The fact that like one person can get so passionate about something, I haven't really seen that much these days, especially like men. Like I was also bullied a lot growing up and I turned to like the special interests I had to help me like help me cope with that, help myself like find meaning in all this. I focused on being the best version of, of myself that I could. And the karate could just really helped with that. Now, I definitely agree with you that we can all learn a lot from Mr. Miyagi. You know, Mr. Miyagi said there's no such thing as a bad student, only a bad teacher. So hearing that you want to be a teacher, that you're in the process of studying to be a, a teacher, I'm wondering about what, what do you think um, in terms of good teachers are there particular traits or maybe patterns that they kind of possess? Well, I think the best teachers out there usually, you know, well, they always know that there is no one-size-fits-all approach to teaching students and that education is really built upon the relationships you have with your students, not like, not just spewing facts at them and expecting them to uh memorize them and throw them up on tests like i can't really get behind that method of teaching and i've noticed that a lot of teaching you know even when i grew up and also like in the field experiences i'm getting now that like teaching is is very focused like the american education system is very focused on controlling kids more so than it is on like learning it's almost too authoritarian for a student to really learn because they're so focused on adhering to neurotypical social norms and pleasing the teacher and 
and you know making eye contact sitting still when a lot of kids just can't do that in fact i don't think any kids can because i think kids are supposed to be active because mm-hmm. they're are supposed to learn through having autonomy and they're supposed to be taught positive messages and how to stand up for themselves without becoming the bullies themselves and like just what kids truly need to know about life and i think as a future teacher it's my job to teach them that rather than try to control them for seven hours because i've also noticed that punishments don't work and all authoritarianism really teaches us is fear as a future teacher i'm going to have to like make that environment uh, make the classroom environment safe for all the kids and and let them know that it's okay to be themselves and teach everyone to like to be loving and accepting of differences. And uh, Ben, how can our listeners learn about you beyond uh, this interview? Well, first off, my uh, my Instagram is Ben the Door Guy with a uh, with a dot after Ben, not an underscore, because that one got hacked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's tough. But yeah, I am also. I'm pretty sure I also have a page on TCNJ Athletics. I. And I am known for my efforts to spread kindness and advocate for people in the overall like TCNJ community. And I'm happy to like answer questions about, you know, my life, my autism, anything as well. So yeah. <sighs> well, I really love the conversation, Ben, and when the new season of Cobra too. Kai uh, comes out in a few months. Um, I, I I think I'll have to we'll have to have another conversation. Oh, definitely. I'm really looking forward to that. <laughs> Thanks so much to Ben for the conversation. To learn more about Ben, please check out the link in the podcast description of this episode. At Autism Personal Coach, we provide customized coaching for autistics. All of our coaches are either autistic or autistic selected for their commitment to trauma-informed and neurodiversity-affirming strategies. They deeply understand burnout, sensory needs, executive functioning, and the importance of special interests. If you're interested in learning more about our coaching, please visit autismpersonalcoach.com for more information. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Autism Stories, and if you did, if you could tell a friend, foe, or anyone you know about it so they could have the same enjoyable and educational experience as you when listening to Autism Stories, it would be very much appreciated. Until next time, I'm Doug Bletcher of Autism Personal Coach. Talk to you then.